What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Hello and welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 134. What's going on? I am Matt O'Leary with Mitch Anderson. Mitch, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, going to the doctor tomorrow to get like a thousand things checked out. I haven't gone to the doctor in weeks because I keep putting it off because I'm lazy and a guy and guys usually don't go to the doctor because we're idiots. Um, go to the doctor if you need to. I have like a weird skin infection type of thing. It just my my back is real itchy. That's all it is. It's just okay. real itchy. There's nothing there. It doesn't look like anything. But like if I lay down on my stomach, which is what I do, oh, it's so itchy. Oh my god. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, I get- think I sprained my hand as well. I I, I get up off my chair. And, uh, anyways, my body is falling apart. Is what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, I'm glad you're getting that all checked out, man. Because like, we need you here for these podcasts. We don't want anything to happen to you. I will. This this will never interfere. I could do this from a bubble. I will do this from a bubble. Um, so yeah, what's going on with you? Uh, just mass hysteria with the coronavirus. See, I I work at a college, so I, most of the listeners know that. But maybe if you're turning in for the first time, yeah, I peek behind the curtain. I work at a college. Um, so they're trying to figure out a plan. It's still up in the air for what they're going to do. So it's just been a hectic week. It really has. Well, hopefully things get figured out soon, man, because this is, oh my God, this seems like absolute chaos, pandemonium. It for sure is chaos. So with that, Mitch, do you have an addition for us for episode number 134? Yes, I do. So for every every podcast that we do over 100, we're taking a player who's played that many games for the Islanders. So we're at 134, and I'm taking Mike Stapleton. Mike Stapleton, your BFF forevers. Remember him well. Yeah, so, well, he's played 34 games for the Islanders at one point. I won't tell you when. And I'm going to ask you three questions about him. Two easy ones. Two are really, like, lob questions. One is not so lobbish. You're, I don't think you're going to get it. But it'll be fun to see you try. Okay, well, I can't wait for the quiz. It's going to be a lot of fun. It always is. Let's start with the games like we usually do, Mitch. So the Islanders played three games since we last spoke. And they are 0-1-2 in those games. 
Um, they, I don't, maybe the, the Islanders might not win a game ever again. This is where we're at at this point. It's technically seven straight losses. Yes, there's some overtime losses mixed in, but they have not won a game in what feels like an eternity. It's pandemonium in the real world and pandemonium in Islesland. Really, like they haven't won a game in seven straight. Uh, yes, they've put on o- overtime wins, but still, that's only a point. Sorry, overtime wins, overtime losses. They've only picked up points in those because of the stupid loser point system in the NHL. Um, if not for that, oh my, I, I haven't done the standings, but I, I don't want to look at them based off of loser points for the Islanders because it's probably not going to be pretty. I can't imagine it's good. No, and so like the, they they've performed progressively better, but it's been. A slow progression. Like, they played well against Ottawa. They played better against Carolina. They had an even better game against Vancouver. But still, it's loss, OTL, OTL. Like, just not getting over the hump towards a win because of stupid singular errors. Right. And I know this has kind of been a theme on the last few episodes of the Islanders losing games, but the moral victory conversation. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm still on the same wavelength. While, yes, there are some positives to take away for incidents scoring four goals and putting up 50 shots last night in Vancouver is like, obviously that's not a bad thing, but it's hard for me at this point of the season to sit here and be happy with how things are when they are still losing games. Like at the end of the day, you still have to win the thing. Even if they mix in a couple ugly wins in there, like I would rather that at this point, because I mean, how many times within the Barry Trotz, era have we seen the Islanders win ugly games and it's like well that wasn't great but a win is a win and now it's like hey you're not playing so bad but we're losing which that sucks even more it's yeah it's, <laughs> you don't see a lot of of this consistent or this this much consistent losing in a Barry Trotz world it just doesn't happen um and the Islanders are just not relatively playing well like the last three games, sure they're playing better, um, but before that, it has not been good whatsoever. I don't know what the hell is going on with them, but it's just mistakes after mistakes after like simple mistakes. Even it's ridiculous that we're we're, we're having to then think like, is this all because Adam Pellick and Casey Zizekas are out? Is that what this takes? You need a fourth line center, and your number one defensive defenseman, to like stop everything from happening or st- stop the bleeding from happening? Because that's that's shouldn't be the case. I love Casey. I love Adam. They're great players, but they, they should be replaceable. They should very well be replaceable, and it's crazy that they aren't. Yeah, that's just the thing is that, yes, I understand that they are two role players who are important to the team, but it shouldn't be to this extent because they, they have gone into a complete shell without their fourth-line center and their most defensive defenseman, which, yeah, I understand losing both of those guys, it sucks. It's going to hurt your team. But at the end of the day here, it's kind of crazy when you look at the dramatic drop-off without those two guys in the lineup. It's pretty wild. It is. And, and like they've been gone for a while now, and the team has had time to replace them and haven't done so. Or not maybe not even replace them, but change up the strategy and have not done that either. They haven't factored in the loss of those two players. And, and that's bad when you play to win the damn games. <laughs> they're, they're not able to do it. And it's like, well, we'll stick with the strategy that worked before when that strategy relied upon these two players who are no longer around. No, you play to win the damn games. Switch it around, do something. Because these three losses, and, and they are losses, um, aren't sitting well, specifically the time of year, when you have another team behind you, another New York team, by the way, who won't stop winning. They are now, what, one point behind the Islanders? Oh. Yeah, it, it's it's scary. 
it's genuinely scary. And I mean, over these games, we don't have uh, you know a lot of positives to take out from three losses in a row. But I guess we'll start with Ottawa. Anything of note that you want to hit on in that four to three regulation loss in Ottawa? They scored three goals. That's really it, right? They weren't really scoring before that. They scored three goals. Uh, they played well against a really bad team. Uh, and then that really bad team just hit him, hit him when it hurt, when they were down, right? Like they fell down quite literally on on that last. I think it was a shorthanded goal. Uh, they, they quite literally fell down with the puck, and then Brady to Chuck made him pay. Just goalie mistake on that one, and then it's in the back end, and they, they lost because of that. It's stupid. It's a stupid mistake that should never have happened. And there we go. Yeah, and uh, it's it's just frustrating to see like. The Islanders in that game specifically on that power play that we were just talking about, they had a chance where it's like, okay, they could really turn this momentum around and things should look a lot different. But instead, they give up the goal. It becomes a 4-2 to game. And then, yeah, they get a garbage time goal at the end there. But it was too little too late. And you go on to lose against probably the second worst team in the league. I, I think it's literally if if I'm not sure where the Los Angeles Kings are anymore. I'm not really paying attention to the bottom of the league anymore. But I, I would imagine it's, yeah. Anyways, they should be winning this game. They should be maybe winning it comfortably, but they lost it by like a a thin margin. And that that shouldn't be right at this time of year where the Ottawa Senators have nothing to play for but pride and the New York Islanders have everything to play for. uh, This shouldn't have been. It it should have been like a 4-1 win or a 4-2 win uh, and not a 4-3 loss to the Ottawa Senators. My God. No, and then the frustration really continued, though, on Saturday against Carolina, where they would lose 3-2 to two in overtime, and controversial is probably the understatement of the century, Mitch. Yeah. If you want to hear our full comments on this, we're going to go brief on this. You can go over to our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. And we spent a good half hour just reliving the experience because we were both there for this game. Just reliving the experience and the controversy of that high stick from Andrei Sneshikov to score, not score, but create the overtime winner. So head over to patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Sign up for the $5 tier and you'll get a post-game podcast after every single New York Islanders game. You will also get a mailbag show. And you'll also get a newsletter. If you don't want to spend five bucks, you could do two bucks and get a mailbag and a newsletter and access to everything that we put up on the Patreon. We usually try to put something up every day for you to comment on. So head over there, patreon.com slash eyes on aisles. Absolutely. Just want to give you the context of what we're going to get into on this episode. And uh, well, one of the things from that game was, I guess the biggest takeaway was that overtime goal. Yeah, really. Like the Islanders were in it. They, they played well. They played the, the Carolina Hurricanes well. They got one, you know, kind of fluky goal to start things off. But that goal should not have counted. That overtime goal, I should specify, should not have counted. Like, Svechnikov's got his stick well above his shoulder. And they called it like, well, that's impossible. There's no way he can have it over his shoulder if it didn't go in the net. And you're going like, that's not how science works. That's not how angles work. That's not a reasonable argument to disallow a goal. So to not disallow a goal, that should have been disallowed. You goddamn zebras. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's really crazy to sit here and say, and I've watched the replay at this point hundreds of times, it feels like, and I cannot justify that being legal. How is that not a high stick? So there, there are justifications that his when he caught, makes contact with the puck, his stick was not over, it was over the bar, but not over his shoulder. 
and you're going, all right, but the, the argument that we've heard from, from the dawn of time, and maybe I haven't read the rule book properly, is that it can't be over the bar. I don't know where this over-the-shoulder thing all of a sudden came from. Again, maybe I, I have not read the rule book properly, which is entirely possible. Um, but I, as far as I knew, it wasn't supposed to be over the bar. The shoulder thing is just a brand new thing. Like, what, Zidane Chara can have his stick up in the clouds because he's so goddamn tall? Like, it, this, this seems ridiculous. What are we doing here? No, it, it really does seem ridiculous. And uh, I, I, I'm i at a loss for words because I, I can't... How many times do these kinds of calls go against the Islanders? And I usually hate the argument of the woe is me, the refs are out to get us, this and that. But after this kind of a blown call, it's hard not to be frustrated. And I know, listen, they were they were on the penalty kill in overtime. Like, things weren't looking great. But still, let it play out. Can we let this thing play out and see for real what was going to happen? It's like what when Ryan was saying, so we went to the game with, with Ryan and Richard, and uh, Ryan was saying, I, I don't mind losing the game fairly. And this was not a fair loss because the referees decided it. And yes, you can make the argument like, well, the Islanders didn't put themselves in a great position by first off taking the penalty kill or not scoring that third goal to just kill this thing in, in regulation. You are right on both counts. However... That is not the factual circumstances of what took place. The factual circumstances, well, I guess, yeah, they, they didn't need to take the power play and they didn't, they should have scored a goal. Sorry. What I mean to say is that that's not what transpired. They didn't score and they didn't, and they took the pen, the power of the, the penalty, which led us to the situation where he high sticks it. You're going, well, that's what the rule book is for. So that when these things happen, they get called back because that's not fair. And, Sure enough, it doesn't for no reason whatsoever. Again, the explanation, well, it was above the bar, but it wasn't above his shoulder, even though when you look at it, it was well above his shoulder. Clearly, it was clearly above his shoulder, and it cost the Islanders a game where they played okay. It probably wasn't their best game over this stretch, but it's still frustrating to see a team lose in that fashion. Absolutely. Then comes Tuesday, which is, I think, the weirdest one because they put up 50 shots they scored four goals and somehow some way they still found a way to lose this game well they, they, they lost it they obviously didn't lose it early but they lost it because of their dumb mistakes early in the game yes. really what it was like if this game was 2-1 for the Islanders within minutes was it not if I'm remembering the scoring correctly or was it 2-1 no it was sorry it was 2-1 Vancouver within minutes and then the Islanders scored the second goal at the end of the first correct right because um, the second one was the Elias Pedersen one, where the Islanders just go down. Literally, uh, I don't know who the, the centerman was on that line. I'm, I'm going to say Bo Horvath, but I have no idea. Falls right on the faceoff on Matthew Barzell and just like gobbles him up like some, you know, I don't know what's the word I'm looking, gelatinous blob. Just just eats him all up. He's nowhere there. And then they rush up the ice, three players. Elias Pedersen cross-eyes pass to Tyler Toffoli, who rings it home. And on that play, you got the two defensemen and Anders Lee. Sorry, Nick Letty's telling Anders Lee, take to Foley. Don't rush up the middle. Take to Foley. That pass is coming. He doesn't take the player and he bangs it in easy. And you're going, come on, like simple mistakes. Simple mistakes, guys. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's like you said, it's the simple stuff. It's the little things. And it comes back to bite you. And on this awful stretch for the New York Islanders, We've said it a million times that it feels like their mistakes are amplified because every time they're making these mistakes, it's going in the back of the net because they aren't 
from top to bottom, they are making more mistakes. The defense has not been able to minimize those mistakes with the uh, Adam Pellick injury. And then the goalies have not been as good either. So it's a culmination of all of those factors, which is why the Islanders are where they are. Exactly. Uh, at positive spin, they've scored, what is it, uh, seven, nine goals over the last three games. So averaging three goals, four a game. That's good. That's a lot better. Yes, you can live with that. Because so, before that, I think they were averaging per game 2.86 or something of the sorts per game. So trending in the right direction in terms of goal scoring. Uh, they just need to do, like you said, get some average goaltending and just uh, some basic defense, please. That would definitely be nice. So with that, let's get into our first big topic, which I want to talk about the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Transition a little bit and get into Bridgeport because... I don't quite understand, and I know that this might seem a little weird as they are currently <laughs> winning uh, 4-1. Winning 4-1, <laughs> exactly. But how are they this bad? Uh, they got a lot of, they lost a lot of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Experience. Uh, and they, they have a lot of young players having important roles on this team. And I think it's finally starting to click for some of these young players like Simon Holmstrom, who had two points tonight. Um, So it's finally starting to click. It's just too little too late, right? Like in terms of the standings, the Sound Tigers are, I think, the last in the Eastern Conference, which is bad. Uh, Yeah, they're they're last with 51 points, three points behind the last team or the before last team in the Cleveland Monsters. Their record is 3-6-0-1 over their last 10 games. Not good. No. It's not good, and the island they just don't have a ton of talent on that team. When you look at a guy like Sebastian Ajo leading the way in points, yeah, that that's true. Well, it's now Kiefer Bellows, mind you. Kiefer Bellows now leads the team in points at thirty-one. Right. Well, so thank- check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay, well, a thank God that it's <laughs> Kiefer Bellows. B, it's thirty-one points, which is not the best. No, but because Bellows had that huge streak where he was doing, you know, essentially nothing, and then all of a sudden he starts turning it around, and he's doing that again, right? He has two goals tonight, um, so one was shorthanded, and I think one was on uh, five on five. So, but o- overall, things aren't going well for the Bridgeport Sound Tigers. Maybe this is one of those transitional years, right? They got rid of a lot of uh, a lot of guys, uh, and they they brought they brought. A few in, like those those uh, NCAA guys, like um, Mason Yost, Grant Hutton, and uh, Bobo Carpenter, who are playing important roles for this team. And you got guys like they just drafted. Simon Holmstrom is his first year in North America, uh, and he's playing pretty well. Not not great, but pretty well. Uh, Oliver Wallstrom needs to learn how to play in a team setting. Apparently, he hasn't learned how to do that in his entire uh, hockey career, and so which is scary, <laughs> which is scary, but. He's turning it on, has four points in the last four games. So, or sorry, four points, one point in his last, in each of his last four games, I should say. So four, four game point streak. Um, and then you've got Kiefer Bellows, who's stepping up this year. He's taking a step forward. Uh, it's a transition year in Bridgeport, but we didn't think it was going to be a transition year, right? Like we looked at them making the playoffs last year and we're going, well, now you're just adding more talent to the roster. This should be a step forward or at least a lateral step, right? You should not regress. And they regressed hard. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It was a big time regression, which uh, is disappointing for sure. 
Yeah, th- that's just it, right? Because this is the next wave. And I understand that we have our core guys like Lee, Nelson, uh, Everly, I guess, Barzal, uh, Bailey. Th- that That's our core. Uh, and, you know, of course, Pulak and Taves and so on and so forth. Uh, but we, you always need that, that next level, right? There's always that talk yes. of the next, the next, sorry, not level, next wave. Even for teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Washington Capitals who are winning Stanley Cups. It's who's coming after that because eventually the good times will stop and you need to bring in the, the next wave of players. The Islanders haven't won Stanley Cups and we're still asking that. Like, what what's the next wave? And you're looking... Is it just Kiefer Bellows, question mark? Like, in terms of points, we got Kiefer Bellows, Sebastian Ajo, and Travis St. Denis. Mm. I, I know it's not only points that that is a barometer for success here, but, like, that's a huge indicator. Oh, for sure. And it's just when you look at recent drafts and where these prospects are, that's the scary thing. Because, I mean, we could, you can go back to 2014 if you really want to. Josh Hosang is in San Antonio, not in – he's – I own his property, but not playing for the NHL team or AHL team. Michael Del Cole is an NHL scratch pad player, essentially, at this point, who's playing third-line minutes. In 2015, dra- in the first round, you have, obviously, uh, a hit in Barzal and Beauvillier. 16, Bellos is still an AHLer. 17, you didn't have a first rounder. 18, your two guys are, well, one of them is getting 11 minutes a night on the blue line for the Islanders. The other is learning how to play a team game. And Simon Holmstrom, we have no idea. Uh, so, I mean, there you go. You, you got it. You really screwed with the 2014 draft class being so bad. Yeah, that's that's true. The 2014 draft class being so bad is, is a huge hit for the Islanders now um, because they, they should be playing big roles at the NHL level, right? Like their ELC is not was over last year. This is the first year post ELC. This should be the po- the first year where they're now established NHL players and they should be doing something. And all we really have to show for it is like a flat line when it comes to the war, right? Like win above replacement. He, he is he being Dal Cole, like 0.0000, maybe 0.0001 for all those people thinking he's the best defensive player on the team. It's... That's Maybe insane. not best defensively, but a good defensive player, and that is not the case if he's not even playing on the PK. Anyways, yeah, that that that's a stretch for sure. That I think that's a big part of it, though, because like you said, I'm glad you brought up the next wave because that is so important, especially when you have got like in the situation the Islanders are in now. Their guys are struggling. They could use some juice, but they don't have any juice to give because. They have deemed Bellows not ready. Whether you believe that to be true or not, that's pretty much what they've deemed him because he's been up and down a million times. Wallstrom is not ready. The, you know, Joshua Sang's not coming to save the day. You're in dire straits. Otto Koivula is nothing more than a fourth liner. Yeah. Well, I, at least in the eyes of, of Barry Trotz. I, I don't know, man. I think next year is going to be a good year for Bellows. I think he makes the team, although, like, who knows, right? Like, Maybe it's a 50 50 chance. I'm giving a 51% chance he makes a team. Um, but but that that's really it. Like Sebastian Ho is the next one after that. But like, what do we do with him? Like he, he's he should be at the NHL level. He's just not there because the Islanders defense, of course, too good. So uh, we, we have players for the next wave and we got some interesting prospects coming up, but they're still not even at in the professional ranks. yet. Excuse me. So when it comes to the professional ranks, it really comes down to Bellows, Aho, Wallstrom as our next wave of guys, and we'll see next year about uh, Holmstrom how close or far he is. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a very good way of putting it. That is the next wave. It's just we don't know how close they are. That's your that that's really it. It's the uncertainty of when that next wave is going to hit. Like we're looking over the ocean saying, like, it looks like is there a wind? You're putting your finger up, checking to see if there's a wind. You're like, I don't know. Maybe well, today. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, no. today, maybe today, please. Please. You're doing a rain dance or something to get the waves coming in. I think I see one. And it's just a little bit of a wave, and that was 2019, 2020. And we're hoping 2020, 2021, that it's a tsunami wave where Wallstrom's finally ready and so is Bellows. Although I don't I don't think that's gonna be the case. I don't think that's going to be the case, but that would make things so much easier for the Islanders because I don't want to get into complete chaos right now in this topic, but they are going to have a bit of a cap crunch with all the RFAs that they're going to need to sign. So if you can get Wallstrom and Bellows on their ELC producing, that helps you out a ton for at least the next couple of years. That would be nice, but uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, Again, Bellows is playing well has like nine goals, sorry, seven goals in like his last nine games. So again, he's hitting the mark. Uh, if the Islanders need goals, which they don't necessarily right now, again, they're scoring three goals per game in the last three. So things are are, are looking okay. I don't think Lou's going to rock the boat, nor is Barry going to look for that. They need to shore themselves up defensively right now. Defensively? They don't need, they don't need diapers. Defensively. <laughs> yes. Uh, and... I'm glad you brought that up because our our next topic might be able to help with that, Mitch. You think so? I think it potentially could. So when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, how someone coming back might help out the Islanders' defensive system. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast, episode number 134, Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson talking New York Islanders hockey, and we have some good news with one of the New York Islanders defensemen. So if you remember last week, we had Johnny Boychuk take a really scary injury where he took a skate blade to the face. It looked like it cut his eye, and he got 90 stitches to close that thing up. 90. Which is- God, I'm just thinking of someone cutting my eyelid, and oh, my God. Uh, uh, it makes me think of this magic card that I have. I think it's Jester's Cap, and he's got, like, both eyelids, top and bottom slit, and it's, like, held with a staple. It looks ridiculous. Again, it's a magic card. It's fictional, but like, I, all, that's all I'm thinking of right now. And then, oh, that actually happened to a person, and he needed ninety like micro stitches to get it all together. Oh, well, huh. yeah, not not great. Uh, but somehow, some way, Johnny Boychuk was back on the ice skating, and even today, he said that he has about sixty percent vision out of that eye right now. And he's still taking one timers out on the ice with sixty percent vision. Give me a hundred percent vision. I'm not able to do that. Oh, yeah, 100%. But Johnny Boychuk, well, first, I mean, we talked a little bit about it last week. The injury in itself was extremely scary. When you get a skate blade up to the face and see him run off the way that he did, it it wasn't pretty. We didn't gif it because we just didn't feel comfortable sharing it again. that That was rough. Yeah, that's rough to see. Like, he falls right down, and you can see, like, his feet. Anyways, we don't need to relieve the moment. We didn't want to give it to do exactly that. Uh, yeah. He runs right off, and you're thinking worst-case scenario. And then we hear 24 hours, maybe not even 24 hours later, that his eyes in compromise. We kind of got you know, word from that from his brother on, on Twitter, but his eyes in compromise. Um, but he did take 90 stitches. And you're thinking, oh, my God, 90 stitches to the face, to the eyelid even. Uh, even if they're small little stitches, that's still ridiculous. He's not going to be back four weeks, if not done for the season. 
Six days later, he's back on the ice taking clappers from the blue line. Holy Hannah. Mitch, I have like a cold and that knocks me out of commission for like four days. He, he didn't even make it a week and got 90 stitches on his face. Yeah, I, I was just watching Liverpool play earlier, and it's just the the contacts, and then the the dives, and like the rolling around from the ah, oh, he shoved me, it dislocated both of my shoulders, even though he didn't touch me. Ah, oh, the humanity! And then Joe Boychuk's taking a skate to the face, cuts his eye open, and he's back in six days. Uh, I, I love soccer, but like the, there is a lot more rolling around that needs to happen. It's insane, oh, yeah. but but it's true. Oh, no, it, it's definitely true. And I know I'm not a biggest soccer fan, so I'm a little biased. But even just taking off the the blinders that I have on for my disdain for the sport, I will admit that there is a little bit uh, too much of that. And hockey's well, frankly, the polar opposite. Absolutely. Again, skate blade to the face. And he's back in six days. Oh, just cut my eyelid open. No big deal. I'll just keep skating. <laughs> and he's cracking jokes. He's out there cracking jokes. He's just a regular old boy chuck. It's wild. Um, so can he help? I, I don't know. I don't know when he's going to be back. It's a thing. You, in a case like this, you don't want to rush him back and like pop a stitch or something. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I think eventually, yes, he would help. Because as much as I'm a fan of Noah Dobson and getting him the experience, they, it's clear that they just don't trust him because they're playing him 11, 12 minutes a night. And it's really bad to the other five guys in the lineup to have someone who you are only playing 11 minutes a night. That makes everyone else's life so much more hard. Yeah, like everyone's going to have to play 20 minutes. And I understand they're, they're not going to complain. Like, great, I have I have more ice time. That's awesome. But they're also going to see that going like, well, now I'm taking double shifts because I'm going to play with partner X and then I'm going to play with partner Y just so this guy only has 11 minutes. And it's not that he's not capable. I don't understand. At a certain point, they're going to have to trust him. Like, what's the difference between trusting him now and trusting him in October? What, he's going to grow all of a sudden more mature over the summer? No, you grow by playing the game. So, like, get him there. 11 minutes, great. 12 minutes, 13 minutes. If you want to take it slow, sure, but slow and incremental. At this point, it doesn't seem incremental. It really doesn't. Um, so I, I just, sure, manage when he gets out there. Great, that's a good idea too. I just don't understand why we're still having this discussion that he's only playing 11 minutes a night now. Like he's got 34 games under his belt. I was going to take him today for the social or the quiz, but I decided not to. Okay. Uh, it's 34 games under his belt, and we're still managing his minutes to 11. 11! That's Almost the thing. famous all over again. Uh, that's that's just my thing is 11 minutes is so almost ridiculously low. If it was like 15 or 16 minutes a night, you could probably get by with that. Because then everyone others like everyone else isn't playing 23 minutes at that point. Then they're probably playing like 2021, 20, which is a little bit more doable and sustainable over a longer period of time. But having your guys for weeks and weeks and weeks play 24 minutes 23 minutes every night is tough at this point of the season that's right um so Boycha coming back I, i'm not i'm not sure when obviously we're not doctors but if he's only at 60 percent, i imagine it's going to be harder to get that 40 percent because i imagine getting to that 60 was all about swelling and now it's all about recovering the the, the gash to his eyelid jesus murphy uh, it's it's insane that really is yeah. 
Um, so with that being said, uh, we're kind of, I assume, done talking about Boychuk. We're going to transition to something else. Yes. But before we do that, I wanted to talk about injuries in the NHL. Just because with that, okay. his injury, I went through like all the injuries in the league right now. Uh, just because I wanted to see how, like, how quickly guys got back, but it's hard to get that information. So right. instead, I decided, let's just talk about some of the injuries that are going on in the NHL right now and talk about how difficult this sport is and how it just puts people's body in, in a bind. Um, so there, there's four injuries that I, that I wanted to bring up just because of how insane they are. Um, first, Brian Little has a perforated eardrum and has been out since November 4th. Wow. Your eardrum, pff, ripped, done. Ridiculous. Like that, that controls everything, right? Like That's balance. That's all that stuff. Yeah, that throw your equilibrium off. Exactly. And uh, one of the symptoms is vertigo, according to the injury report. So, like, yeah, you can't play with that. No wonder he's been out since November 4th. Insane. Next, Josh Levo and Philip Myers fractured kneecaps. Uh, that's the most, that's the, the grossest one for me. I, I'm very squeamish yeah. and uh, just... A broken kneecap, and I could I could see how it's done, right? Oh, like yeah. you take a, a stick to the knee, you take a puck, like someone's Ryan Pulak slapping at a hundred miles an hour at your knee, like that's gonna shatter something in a million pieces. Yeah, uh, but I just can't. Pick, could you imagine the pain of just getting your kneecap shattered? I I don't I don't want to imagine it. So like again, like the stuff that these guys go through on a daily, like eighty two got I sorry eighty two times a year. Without counting the playoffs, because by the time they even reach the playoffs, they're like, I don't know, 50% healthy. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Two more. Will Butcher, ruptured thumb ligament. Just thumb ligament, gone. He's out since February 17th. Insane. That's ridiculous. Last one, Ryan Mantha. He's not necessarily an NHLer per se, but he plays for the Edmonton Oilers, or is at least within their system. He's been out since the start of the season because he had a blood clot in his eye. That's possible. Uh, yes. And so he's he's regaining his sight in his eye. And that, that's a ridiculous... You, you might say like that's not necessarily hockey-related, but you're seeing it more and more frequently with players getting blood clots, like Steven Stamkos had his. Um, ah, there's someone else I'm already forgetting. But you're, you're seeing that more, co- that more common trend towards blood clotting in the NHL. Uh, and, and this is happening here. Ryan Mantha, blood clot in his eye. Oh, um, God, why does why am I forgetting? Uh, Islander, off forward, center, playing in Bridgeport right now. What is his name? He had one in his hand last year. He got called up, played a game, got one in his hand, and was done for the season. Tanner Fritz. There it is. Ooh, okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. So blood clots are happening, man. And then last thing on the injury front before we last, last thing, the team with the most injuries or the more important list of injuries, Colorado has uh, Nazem Kadri, Philip Grubauer, Mikko Rantanen, Andre Burakovsky, and Nathan McKinnon out with injury. Wow. I mean, that that's a lot. That's a lot. So that's Barzal, Brock, um, Lee, I guess, Peugeot, and Varlamov. That's all of them. Now go win. <laughs> Good bleep and luck. <laughs> Insane. So that's what Colorado's looking at. Thankfully, they have other players to rely upon. Yeah, of course. They are uh, a, a deep team, which absolutely helps. But that's insane, the names you just rattled off. Absolutely. Ridiculous. So good luck, Colorado. The next thing we have to get into is a little bit scary, but we're going to talk it through. So... There were rumors, and I'm sure this was going to happen over the summer, but it's happening a little bit earlier. So 
Elliot Friedman was on the Spit and Chicklets podcast, and he dropped the rumor that he thinks that Barzal is going to get an offer sheet, which scares the living crap out of me. Yeah, uh, well, uh, ever since John Tavares left, right, everyone's scared that th- our players want to go somewhere else. We we put a good front up saying, like, no, no, it's not going to happen. No, no, they want to be here. But deep down, we're like, I don't know. There's a reason the SB Nation podcast for the Islanders is called Islanders Anxiety, because we we have yeah. a lot of anxiety built up. It's a very good name for a reason. Oh, one million percent. Uh, and this is it. This is it. Rearing its ugly head again. And it, I don't. I don't blame Elliot Friedman. Like he he knows information. And why wouldn't teams offer sheet Matthew Barzal? Like the Islanders are clearly going to have a cap crunch coming up, and Barzal's one of like the 32 best players in the league, um, based off just production since he entered the league. Why would you not want to add that to your team? I think my thing is it's so rare that we see offer sheets. So just because there was one last year. With Aho, and now it's like, oh, every year, every like half decent RFA is going to get swallowed up by another team. Well, Columbus offered uh, a or sent an offer sheet or tried to sign Mitch Marner to an offer sheet, but it was too long of an offer sheet for him. They, I think, they wanted to get maybe seven out of him, and he didn't want to do longer than five, and they, they weren't down for that because that obviously leads them to UFA status, and they've gone through that before. Yeah, they did. So, yeah. but yeah, he at least thought about it again this is all according to Elliot Friedman uh, so that, that's two we're, we're getting to a point where offer sheets seem viable and just just think of it this way what do you think a good cap hit for Matthew Barzell is right now if you were if you were to sign Matthew Barzell what would be your offer to him I think I'd go like eight years and then between I don't know, maybe eight and a half and nine and a half on the AAV. So let's cut the difference and and make it nine, right? Yeah, I think that's probably pretty fair. If that's the offer sheet that you sign with Matthew Barzal, the AAV is nine million, we'll say. The draft pick compensation coming back to you is two first round picks, a second and a third. That's not enough for Matthew Barzal. Or the, no. sorry, sorry, what I mean to say by that's not enough, that's not enough for the Islanders. But the other team, they're going to say like, that's perfectly valid i will do that in a day look pajot got a first second and third yeah i mean 100 percent. so when you look at it as like from the trade it's i guess the compensation from trade in trade terms it, it would not it would not be enough it wouldn't be so for other teams like you're going all right well this makes sense why not if we can get this guy at nine why don't we try to do it? Because you look at the Islanders situation in $9 million, the Islanders at the moment, based off of the cap hit that they all have available, might not be able to afford it. And if they if if they can, that means they're not going to be able to afford their two other guys like Devin Taze and Ryan Pulak. Right, which is, uh, well, that would cause some mayhem. That would cause a lot of mayhem. But, but either way, either way you look at it, like you mentioned earlier, the Islanders are going to have a cap crunch, cap crunch coming up in 2020-2021, regardless of offer sheets. The only reason we're talking about offer sheets is because there's that vulnerability that exists because of the cap situation. If the Islanders didn't have a cap situation, there's no talk of offer sheets because there's no reason, There's no way they don't match it. 100%. Uh, and I just think a big factor in all of this, I know from a logic perspective, it probably makes sense why someone would want Matt Barzell on their team, like what you just said, and for that kind of a package, two firsts, a second, and a third. Um, I think a big p- 
heart of all of this is the Tavares situation from a couple of years ago. I think that kind of is... I don't know if catalyst is the right word, but since that happened, the Islanders have been kind of looking, been looked at under this lens as if like, oh, well, they can't get anyone to sign there. So why is Matt Barzell going to stay? That's true. Even though we know that's not necessarily true, that that players do want to come, even though they're not like, you know, the Artemi Panarins, they're the Zach Parise's, but that's still something. It's still something. Team players still want to come here. Um, So, yeah, I I, I get that, but I I don't know, man. I, I... I don't see this happening. I really don't see the Islanders okaying first off. Yeah, we'll take the compensation or an offer sheet coming. I imagine the Islanders make moves to create the space to fend off any sort of offer sheet possibility. I would tend to think so. And I can't imagine Lou Lamarillo letting it get to the point where Matt Barzal is playing for another team next year. If he loses Matt Barzal and John Tavares or John Tavares and Matthew Barzal, whole. A revolt. There's a, there's going to be billboards every two spaces. Every two meters is a brand new billboard popping up because Islanders fans are pumping money into those suckers. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, well, it's going to be a stressful summer, I think, because these rumors I don't think are going anywhere. No, this is just the start, and we're going to keep hearing them. Darren Drager, what's up? Um, he's going to be all <laughs> over this stuff. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, but... Again, like there, there are moves the Islanders can make to fend this off, like getting rid of Andrew Ladd, although not super easy. Moving Johnny Boychuk, although even though, even though if it's after July two, like that's still that that's getting it close. Although yeah. past the deadline, like Matthew Barzell can start talking to teams on June thirtieth, the Tuesday after the draft. So, not good. Yeah, um, it's it's not going to be a fun summer. It's just not. Any way you slice it. If you thought it was bad with trying to get guys like Anthony Beauvillier to sign because it <laughs> took forever for that to happen, like a God Almighty, Ryan Pulak, Devontae's, Matt Barzell, all in the same summer. God We're still waiting, and Ilya Sorokin too. We're still waiting on that one. Although, like I'd, he's still in the playoffs, so I guess I shouldn't say that. His team is still playing, so that makes sense. Yeah, that's probably going to have to happen after April because I think that's when his contract ends. I think like April thirtieth. I, I would imagine we hear as soon as the um, as soon as he's out of the playoffs, either he wins it or he gets bounced early. At the rate he's playing, I imagine they win the damn thing. I certainly think so. And anything else on the Barzal offer sheet stuff? No, I saw a lot of people saying like Matthew Barzal will sign an offer sheet. No, no, that's not what he said. He said that offer sheets will be tended to Matthew Barzal. Elliot Friedman has no idea if Matt Barzal will sign one. Obviously, I understand like the context in an offer sheet isn't actually an offer sheet until the player signs it. Um, but what what uh, Elliot Friedman is trying to innovate here is that other teams will come and try to get Matthew Barzal to sign an offer sheet. He doesn't know if Matthew Barzal isn't happy or is looking to get out. He's just saying that other teams are going to come calling for him, and it makes sense. Why wouldn't they? Of course. Want to get into the quiz, Mitch? Yes. All right, let's do it. Okay, so the 134th episode of the Eyes on Owls podcast is dedicated to Mike Stapleton, who played for, or sorry, played 34 games for the New York Islanders. So, Matt, I'm going to ask you three questions like I do every week. Uh, two easy ones, one really hard one. First question, okay. what position did Mike Stapleton play? Center. Yes, good job. All right, question number two. How many points did he score in those 34 games? 12. Incorrect. Five. One goal, four assists. Wow, yikes. Last question. 
What was one of the three things he was rated as the best in the 1985-86 season by OHL-laden division coaches? Go. One of the three things? And I, I, I'm giving you one of three. So the three things that he said he was the best at in 85-86. So you know he's a center. You know he didn't score a lot of points. What are one of the three things coaches said he was really good at? Checking. Incorrect, but probably. They said hardest worker, best face-off man, and best penalty killer. He was basically Casey Zizekas way too early. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Okay, that's a good one. So I'm just trying to bring up when he played because I, I forgot off the top of my head because I forget things. Uh, but it was towards the end of his career. He played 34 games for the Islanders in 2000-2001. So. Oh, really? Wasn't okay. a great face-off man with the 45.31% efficiency. So Maybe he wasn't so great at the face-offs after all. Well, maybe at OHL level he was, but when he got to the pros, not so much. Uh, he this spent most true. of his time with Chicago and Pittsburgh and then bounced around after that. Okay. I didn't. Re- I honestly don't remember too much about him. Well, again, why 34 games in 2000-2001. Like, how old were you then? Six? Well, yeah, precisely six. So... <laughs> there you go. I don't. I don't remember what happened two weeks ago, let alone what I did when I was six years old. So I don't blame <laughs> you on that one. All right. Uh, thank you for giving me the pass on that one. I keep my eye on their fan card. I guess. There you go. You're welcome. All right. When we come back, we're going to get into the social segment and what's trending on Isles Twitter. All right. Welcome back to the Eyes on Isles podcast. Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson getting into. Uh, Iles Twitter and Mitch, what do you got for us this week? So I've got three things. How many do you have? Just so we get the numbers right here. I have two. Okay, you've got two things. All right. So the first one, I just want to check something first before I say something silly. Uh, I oh, come on now, NHL.com, please. Um, where are they? Oh, he wasn't there. Okay, that's fine. So uh, the first thing, guess who's back? Referee Tim Peel, back from a fractured ankle, will be working a few games down the NHL to get ready for his NHL return. That was scouting the rest back on February 28th. And then uh, Raymond says, Raymond NY Sports, please don't let him ref any Islanders games. <laughs> and I thought he was refing the um, the Carolina game, but he was not. It was Brian Pakmara and Marc Joannette. Okay. But I'm pretty sure he refed one of the games over the last little stretch for the Islanders. I was pretty sure about that. I thought he did some silly thing recently. But obviously I can't. I I missed on that one. So whiff by me on that one. That That's all right. It, it, it happens, bud. We're not going to hold it to you. Uh, now I'm going to have to find it. I have to find what game it was because I knew there was something and I forget which one it was. So I have two more. Go ahead. Okay. My next one's kind of a two-parter, but you'll see. So... This was a sad one that came out. So we know that Thomas Hickey's brother was battling brain cancer, and he unfortunately lost his battle. Uh, So that is Dan Hickey. He was 33 years old. The reason why I wanted to bring this up, obviously, is just one, to bring attention to a really sad story going on with the New York Islanders and the Islanders family. But there's a GoFundMe open. Uh, So if you search support for the Hickeys on GoFundMe, you can find it. There's been 1.3 thousand donors so far raised 266 thousand dollars in change right now. That's crazy, man. And just to show you what kind of hands the Islanders are in right now, 
Islanders owner Scott Malkin donated ten thousand dollars. <laughs> not only is he paying him two point five million dollars. Sorry, not him, but his brother paying him two point five million dollars a year. But he's like, here's ten thousand dollars to your brother's uh, ex- GoFundMe. Insane, like that. That's that's the slow clap makes you tear up type of thing. Like this guy is just shelling up money constantly for the Islanders, and this is obviously a good cause. Uh, it's just wild. What what a sad event, man. I, so uh, there's there's really not a whole lot to say, but just you know, extending our our thoughts with uh, Thomas Hickey and his family during this time. I can't even imagine what they're going through. I I know I I don't know, man. This is this this hit pretty hard. So man, all the love, Thomas. Just whatever. I got nothing. I got there's there's nothing more to say. It just it's really sad and. Man, I, I hope the best for for, the, for them. Although, like, how can you? Even, I don't even know what to say in these situations. This is tough, man. It, no, it, it it really is. Um, do, do you want to move on for and see what else we what we have in yeah. the social segment? Uh, the Tim Peel one was the Ottawa game. He ref the Ottawa game. Nothing contentious okay. there from referee standpoint. So, boom. Gotcha. Um, the other one was going to be the Scott Malkin thing. Or so good job. But there's a bunch of players also that 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 donated right. Yes. Um, like Boychuk, Sasikas, Komarov, Pulak, Martin, Bo, Pellet, Grice, Johnston. Just, I, I'm sure others are there and maybe they're just anonymous, right? It's just right. like guys are shelling out money um, for obviously a good cause. And just, anyways, not, let's not bring it back to that. Uh, last one here from me is um, this one came out today from um, Riley Smith, who uh, is playing okay. for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I was asked about the possibility of playing in an empty arena. And he said, I played a few years in Florida, so I'm kind of used to it. Someone called the burn word because the entire state of Florida just got scorched. Yeah, I mean that that's that's tough. That is just tough to see. <laughs> just sorry, and then there's, there's a reply to the tweet um, from at uh, so the tweet that here that I'm reading is from Danny Webster um, at Danny Webster twenty one, and there's a reply here from uh, at some dude d o o d eighty eight replying uh live look at Riley Smith right now, and it's Bugs Bunny just cutting the state of Florida away from the United States <laughs> <laughs> oh that's classic oh that's uh, really so good. yeah, just ton of shade thrown at the Florida organization for for good like he he was there, he knows right like you can't even get play people from the upper bowls down and you can't get enough play people from upper bowls down into the lower bowl to fill the thing up. It's just there's not enough people. And yes, it's gone up over the year, but uh, it's oh man, it's it's still not great over in Florida. Absolutely. My last one is from Josh Hosang. So the New York Islanders or a New York Islanders uh, fan account posted something praising Hosang and putting down Michael Del Cole. And the very selfish, awful teammate Josh Hosang jumps in <laughs> and he says. Yo, leave Mike alone. He is a great hockey player who has earned every opportunity that has that he has been given. Uh, that he has. Excuse me. I can't read today. He has earned every opportunity that he has been. Give Mike proved last year he could dominate the American League. The Islanders are a great team and will find their way. If you encourage and believe in the players instead of turning on them, Every time they struggle, you will see how it will help them push through this. Do your part. Players are human. Please don't ever forget that. I feel identified there. (laughs) 
Sorry. Like I, I had that moment right with Calvin Hahn. I had, I had the moment. I went at him. I paid the price because Calvin can give him as much as he gets him. Um, but and he's right. It's just, man, at a certain point you're going like, Dal Cole, can you do something? Oh, no, I agree. I don't necessarily, like, I don't want to necessarily, what I was bringing up, make it about the account that posted it. I think as a fan, you have a right to criticize your team. I don't think you, I think there's a line, and I don't know what the original post was, but for me, it was more of Hosang sticking up for a teammate. Yeah, because he's, like you said, an awful teammate, selfish player. What a jerk. What a jerk. Get this guy out of here. And here he is sticking up for his teammates in San Antonio. Just... He maybe he's just saying all the right things, but it's like at a certain point you're going, he's saying all the right things. He must also be doing all the right things, but apparently not. This guy's a jerk and a cancer in the room. Get him out of here. Yeah, so uh, I just wanted to bring that up because, well, he's currently in San Antonio and there's a lot of rhetoric on him that that leans negative. So I wanted to give him some love. What what's he doing there in San Antonio? Last I checked, he was three for three, uh, and I have not seen anything from him since. So let me just go find this out live right now. Um, San Antonio Rampage. Where the heck are they? Soon to become the Las Vegas something or others. Uh, Where is he? Josh Hosang has three points in six games. So he's tailed off. (laughs) Yeah, he's tailed off over the last three games. But still 13 points in 22 games so far this season for Josh Hosang in the AHL. In 22, mind you. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, if he played for the Sound Tigers right now, he would be ranked 15th above Mason Yost, Bobo Carpenter, Ryan Bork. Like, it's just, he'd be up there. If he had played the entire season, you could just imagine where he'd be, right? So if, if we're doing, do some math to end the show here. 13, 22, 13 divided by 22, and then we're just saying um, he played all 60 games, like, or sorry, 62 games like Parker Wertherspoon. We're looking at a 37-point player. Okay, that would lead the way. That would lead the way by a healthy margin. Right, because 31 with Kiefer Bellows was the leader? That's correct. Again, oh. screw that guy. I don't know. I, I, we could talk about this forever until the sun explodes, so I think we're going to leave it at that. Yep, that's fair. Let's uh, let's end this thing and, and move on to the mailbag. Again, uh Patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. Sign up for that mailbag. Absolutely. So I'm going to get some plugs in here. And wherever you're listening to the show, please make sure to subscribe, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Uh, It really helps us out a bunch, and we appreciate all the love and support. You can follow along with us on social media at Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. My Twitter is Matt O'Leary and why Mitch is at TLO Mitch. You could like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Eyes on Isles. You could download our app available for iPhone or Android. You can visit the website, eyesonisles.com, for all your New York Islanders needs. And, of course, Patreon, 5 bucks a month, patreon.com slash Eyes on Isles. Mitch, episode number 134 in the books. It was a fun one. It was. Let's get 135 in, and hopefully by then they've won some damn games. Absolutely. So with that, once again, I'm Matt O'Leary. He is Mitch Anderson. We'll talk to you next time.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.